G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Tuesday, always a great opportunity to check on what breaking headlines are coming to us from Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross, who's on the ball and looking at those headlines each week for us, back with us again. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. And you too, Neil. Hey Ron, let's start with one all about the uh, the Israeli Prime Minister and in the face of criminal charges against him, the Israeli Attorney General has ruled that Benjamin Netanyahu can stay in office for now. Sounds conditional. What's the story? Yeah, the Attorney General Avakar Mendelblit issued a legal opinion yesterday that amounts to deflecting all three ways that critics have sought to force Prime Minister Netanyahu out of office in any immediate time frame. Mendelbert issued the blockbuster opinion only days after announcing a final indictment of Netanyahu for bribery, fraud and breach of trust. First, Mendelbert said the fact that Netanyahu is a transitional prime minister without a parliament has no bearing on forcing him out immediately. He cited the Knesset, that's the parliament law, that says if a government is forced to be dissolved or a prime minister is forced to resign, the prime minister at the time remains the caretaker prime minister. In other words, if Netanyahu was forced out, he would essentially be the caretaker for himself. Second, he ruled that Netanyahu cannot be declared incompetent to carry out his duties merely by the legal establishment as a result of an indictment. Rather, he said this is a political public sector question. To say that uh, Israeli politics is confused at the moment is the greatest understatement of the year. Well, I was going to just get your impression there because the government's been in crisis all year. They've had a couple of elections and still haven't been able to work things out, as you say, a state of confusion, even a possibility there could be a third election coming up sometime soon. Uh, Any impressions on that? Yeah, the, the trial, the, law, the, the criminal case apparently has been delayed, but I noticed today there was an analyst came out and said that the same abuse of Donald Trump by the bureaucrats is what's holding uh, Netanyahu's situation in control. Uh, it's really a subject of prayer. If the right-wing uh, Bible-believing leaders are going to come under attack, then we need to be standing with them uh, on our knees. Okay, let's turn our sights north of Israel. An evangelist has died after being stabbed in the heart on the streets of Turkey. What's the story here, Ron? Yeah, a Christian evangelist has been murdered in southeast Turkey. Korean ministry worker Jinwook Kim was stabbed to death in the city of Diyarbakir on November the 19th. According to International Christian Concern, Turkey's Public Security Branch Directorate of Murder Bureau has arrested a 16-year-old on suspicion of murder. 
The 41-year-old evangelist had arrived in Turkey earlier this year and was pastoring a small congregation of Christians. According to reports, he was stabbed three times, twice in the heart and once in the back, later succumbing to his injuries in a local hospital. Kim had a wife and a child. Okay, back to Israel now, where the Israeli Defence Forces have secured Hebron for 30,000 visitors to the Cave of the Patriarchs. Uh, What's happening there, Ron? Yeah, the IDF worked in Hebron to protect about 30,000 Jewish worshippers who came to visit the Cave of the Patriarchs as it was completely open to Jewish visitors on the Sabbat when the Torah portion of Kaiserah, that means the life of Sarah, which discusses the purchase of the cave by the patriarch Abraham, and at that time it's read. Security forces worked for uh, the past few weeks in order to secure the area for the events this weekend. The Sabbath of Kaisera is when tens of thousands of visitors from throughout the country travel to the Jewish settlement in Hebron and to the cave of the patriarchs in order to read the weekly Torah portion here in a special commemoration of Kaisera and the purchase of the cave. Operations Directorate Officer Judea Brigade Major Mark Solomon said, In recent weeks, IDF soldiers worked in the area to thwart terror in order to hold the festivities securely in cooperation with the Jewish settlement in Hebron and all of the security establishments prepared to take in the tens of thousands of worshippers. Jews can enter the outer part of the cave of the patriarchs the whole year, but can only enter the cenotaphs of Isaac or Rebekah on ten Jewish holy days as part of the Y River Accords. Significant. Ron, Donald Trump is in the headlines in Israel today, and for a very interesting reason, over 200 rabbis have signed a letter thanking him for fulfilling a prophecy of Jeremiah. Uh, That's pretty significant, isn't it? Yes, it is. Over 200 rabbis, including the chief rabbi of Israel, sent a letter to President Trump thanking him for his recognition of Israel's right to Judea and Samaria. The letter was composed by the chief rabbi of Zavat, Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu, compared the political move to the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31.4, they quoted, Again you shall plant vineyards on the hills of Shomron. Men shall plant and live to enjoy them. Over 2,500 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah claimed that the nation of Israel would return to the hills of Samaria and plant their vineyards there. The rabbi cited another verse in Jeremiah as being manifested by Trump. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, they shall again say this in the land of Yehuda and in, ta- in its towns when I restore their fortunes. Hashem bless you, abode of righteousness, O holy mountain. Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-two. We get to live in the generation where these prophecies are fulfilled word for word. 130 years ago, Jews from all over the world started returning to Israel. 72 years ago, the nation was freed from foreign rule. 52 years ago, we returned to Jerusalem, Hebron, and the rest of Judea and Samaria. Our enemies did not accept this and are still trying to stop the process. 
But God has promised to Abraham that your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And they paid tribute to uh, President Trump for uh, making that historic move. Well, so many dimensions surrounding the nation of Israel that give us that real substance uh, to understanding God's uh, will uh, being enacted throughout the world, uh, not only in the things that are happening today in fulfilled prophecy, and you know, perhaps some people will argue that, but, uh, but really, really good evidence to show prophecy being fulfilled. But we can also look back to the past. We love a good archaeology story too, and another one to top off our conversation today, Ron, proving the Bible again, newly discovered fossils show snakes had legs. What's the story? (laughs) I love this story. A new study published in Science Advances has shed light on the life of ancient legged snakes. The biblical story of the forbidden fruit, which discusses how the snake persuaded Eve to taste it, and how she and Adam, who also ate from it, was subsequently banned from the Garden of Eden by God, is probably one of the most well-known narratives in the history of mankind. As described in Genesis, the snake also received punishment. You will crawl on your belly and eat dirt all the days of your life, God tells the serpent, implying that before the event, the animal had legs. (laughs) Now a new study published in Science Advances has shed light on the life of snakes and their legged ancestors. Several fossils of an extinct snake group named Najash were recently uncovered in Argentina. The group is named after the word Nakash, that both in biblical and modern Hebrew indicate the snake. As reported by the New York Times, the fossils, which include several skulls, seem to suggest that snakes might have lost their front legs uh, very early on, written years ago. The nation that snakes started off as four-legged animals has been accepted by scientists for several years, although according to the Times, no fossils have been found before to corroborate that theory. Snakes probably were one of the first lizard groups to start experimenting with limblessness, but what really is intriguing is that they were also very clearly showing the characteristics of their skulls which are their specialization, an expert explained. So if you see a long, tall creature walking through the park, beware. (laughs) Ron, well, thank you so much for putting some legs on that story. (laughs) (laughs) History, uh, no doubt. Hey, Ron, great getting insights. As always, uh, you do bring us the headlines every week, and uh, not old headlines, but as they're breaking from Israel and the Middle East overnight. And always appreciate just how fresh, how up-to-date, how on the ball these always are, and uh, always appreciate you and the way you deliver those headlines too. Ron Ross, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.